Okay, we're recording. Hi, everybody. It's Lenora from It's a New Dawn. How is everybody doing? On um, It's a rainy Sunday in New Jersey today, but it's welcome because it kind of cooled off, cooled off uh, the heat. Where are you located, Nisha? Forgot. Right now I'm in Toronto. Oh, so how's, yeah. the, how's the weather there? We had a bit of rain today, but just drizzle. So not too bad. And we haven't had a lot of rain. So same. It's been nice. We've had, you know, the grass has been brown. So the grass is finally perking up and coming back to life. So it's yeah. been nice. The rain is nice. Anyway, everybody, I am so excited today because I get to sit and talk with this lovely, beautiful woman. Her name is Nisha Memminger. Yep. Did I say that correctly, the last name? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yes. And guess what, you guys? I met her through <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> it's a joke because every person I have that's lined up is from TikTok. But I you know, so... honestly, TikTok has changed my life. It has for me, too. Yeah. I... And this is a very, uh, the new format on my um, podcast. I mean, not that I was very extremely rigid with my other episodes. I have about eight or nine episodes out from last year. And I'm not going to say I was really rigid, rigid. I'm, I have this little weird personality, but I love that about me. It's fine. Um, so it's, it was never like completely rigid, but I was always so nervous. I had the questions written out and it's like, so the new format is just a casual conversation. So I really don't know what's going to happen here, but you know, I'm open to anything, but yeah. So TikTok has definitely changed my life also, and it has made me um, oh, it's made me feel, I want to say more accepted. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want my ego involved with this, this whole thing, but, um, I don't know. I feel a lot freer on TikTok as far as expressing, expressing myself. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, you know, I talk about this a lot on some of my lives, um, and even in some of my TikTok posts. But one of the things that TikTok has done for me is allowed me a place to practice putting my truth out there and um, doing it in a way where I, uh, you know, I craft what I want to say. And just in that process of crafting it um, works um, sort, of, sort of neurologically to uh reshape your psyche so i talk about that a lot also like because each tiktok is a little story and storytelling is so powerful because myths and stories really shape our um beliefs and what we feel is possible for ourselves so um each tiktok is a little story and in shaping that story you're also shaping your own psych psych psychology um, and so, you know, each TikTok is a mini story and, um, it's you creating your story. So you're co-collaborating in your own reality. So I just love it. It's been a way for me to practice, um, sharing my story and my truth. It's been a way for me to practice, um, finding my voice 
and strengthening that voice, you know, as someone who um, had a childhood of being silenced and um, not, you know, for fear of consequences or punishment, uh, TikTok has been liberating in so many ways. So, um, you know, I, I, I've, I'm very protective of it. I, I will never go to Instagram Reels um, or anything that Facebook might put out. That's not, it's not in alignment with uh, what I believe in. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm really big on history and knowing history, you know, because I know my history, um, uh, my history directly informs who I am now. So it directly informs my present and my present directly informs my future. So history is very important to me. And the history of Facebook is not in alignment with my values. You know, um, if anyone who's seen the Facebook movie knows that it originally started as an app for like assessing girls, college girls and rating um, college girls. So I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, that's how it started. Wow. And and what a powerful, uh, uh, I don't know what's the word, but uh, I can't think of the word, but wow, you, you, it's really powerful how you feel about TikTok. I, I didn't know that. So that's first, I actually do, before we get into, I love that you are um, already talking and I, I just love your voice and I would love to just sit here and listen to you, but I want to tell people, um, although I didn't meet, meet you from TikTok, um, I had put out a post in March when I first got onto TikTok and I got on to actually um, promote my business as far as RN, holistic health coaching, um, you know, nutritional counseling and personal training and all of that. I've never had to advertise or anything like that, but you know what? I felt like, all right, this whole COVID thing, I don't really know which way I'm going to go. And I was listening to, I've said this before, Gary V, Gary Vanacek. He's a big inspirational, motivational speaker, although he doesn't like to be called that. Um, I don't really know what to call him then, but (laughs) during my running and listen to him, he's like, you got to get on TikTok, you know, how great it is. It's going to fizzle out like everything else, but when it's powerful, just do it. So you know what? I just did it. And I can't tell you just like you, um, I don't know. I, I would be lost without it. Honestly, I know that sounds like so no, it's just such a game changer for me and not for my business. I mean, yeah, I got a few clients from it, but then it turned into just, I don't know, for me being freer and meeting all these beautiful, wonderful people. And of course, you're one of the first people. I had put out a post about my past, um, you know, uh, being abused by priests and um, having bulimia and all of that. And you reached out to me uh, personally in a private DM and, uh, it just really touched me and you were, if you ever want to talk and you had been through some similar, I guess, things, but I'm going to have you talk about that. Um, you, um, we talked on the phone and from that moment on, you know, when you just connect with people, I just connected with you and I'm really huge on the energy factor. So I just kind of felt that from you. I don't know how you felt about me, but um, it just was. And 
I had to get you on because I, I just, I ended up with the whole hurricane that we had last week. I always find the good in things. And I was able to pick up your book, one of your books that you've written, uh, What Girls Know. And I will read something from here later after we talk about your story. Um, but it just, I was able to pick it up and read it in one day, not even a day. It took me a few hours. I'm an avid reader. I just, wow. I love reading. And, and I have to admit, since TikTok and TikTok, <laughs> I haven't picked up a book. I admit it. I mean, how horrible is that? But, you know, uh, that was one of the huge big things. I didn't have electricity. I didn't have it. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't do my phone. I was like, all right. I have the book. I'm going to read it before I sit down and talk with her. And I read it in less than a day. And wow, it was powerful. I just so powerful. I connected it with it so deeply. So Nisha, please tell everybody your story, where you came from, what led you to where you are today. And I'm just going to sit back and listen and enjoy. Okay. So. Um, hmm. All right, where do I start? Uh, the book, actually ask me a question as a starting point so that I can use that to take off. Well, okay, the, I'll, do you want me to read the one chapter that really resonated sure. with me? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm gonna try to read this without crying, but as you all know, whoever listens to my podcast or you may not know, I've had, I had a troubled past like a lot of us have and one of the things was that I was abused by priests for over two years. And uh, Nisha and I share similarities, but um, in the book, it's written like a verse poem, verse poetry. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I call and, it free verse and poetry. Okay. Are you a writer? I mean, are you mm -hmm. like, you are a teacher, but I don't know, you're an English professor? Uh, I am an English professor. I, I, I do teach creative writing um, master's level and also English literature courses and research writing courses in the college and university level. But I was an author first. So I'm an author first and foremost. And I have seven published novels. Yeah, I know you have many books, but this one, I don't know, I'm going to read this chapter and... Um, this really resonated with me and hit close to home. Uh, it's called What Girls Know, and it's the name of the title also of the book. There are some things little girls should never know, Angie says. Like what it's like to, be, to lie next to a naked grown man. Kathy nods quietly. Angie's voice is tight, stretched so thin. You almost don't know it's there. Orgasm, she says are for when you are old enough, but when you are six, they split you in two. She is gripping the big rock Kathy keeps on her table. She is breathing like Kathy keeps reminding her to do. She is feeling the smoothness of the rock, the cool temperature of it under her fingers. They make you wanna claw your way out of your skin, she says. They make you stand outside your own self and watch what's happening to someone else who looks like you. And you never really ever come back again never fit really fit properly back into that skin because you aren't the same. And then there's a before and an after and you tear your body from the inside out, sometimes from the outside in and you pound it, you cut, 
and you burn and you scream. You try to die. Angie's eyes sting, pool with tears she won't shed. Those words that are coming have never had room before. She will not shut them down now. Because this place where you're supposed to live, she says, powering through, when you're supposed to exist, doesn't fit anymore. Home doesn't recognize you and you don't know why it was you, why it happened to you. That's what orgasms do to a six-year-old girl. She's sobbing now. There are some things, she says faintly, that little girls should never, ever know. Sorry. For me, it was nine. For me, it was nine. Nine years old. But that just hit home so hard. Like you were, I, I don't know. Thank you so much for reading that. It was very powerful for me to hear someone else read it, but especially someone who can relate to the experience. I couldn't um, look up at you. I couldn't look up at you while I was reading because I knew I would cry. I'm sorry. Just. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so that is actually the, it's so interesting to me that you zeroed in on that particular poem because that's the poem that started the whole book and it is the namesake um, for the book. And I, I had to write the book in free verse and poetry because that's the only way the words would come for me um, because my experience happened so early. So that, poem was, uh, came from a six-year-old place. Um, you know, six-year-olds don't even have words for body parts yet. And so to um, share or to put into language what happened is almost impossible at that level, um, at that age. So the only way the words came were in this sort of free verse, um, disjointed kind of way that doesn't fit into traditional storytelling and narrative tropes. So I had to, I had to think outside the box for this book. And it's different from any other book that I've written. All of my other books are in the usual, you know, novel, uh, traditional storytelling style, um, traditional prose fiction. This one, I couldn't write that way. Um, and, and it worked because it was a way for me to connect with the emotions of those experiences. And I needed to connect with those emotions so that I could tell the story. And I desperately wanted to tell that story. I desperately wanted to give it shape and voice so that it could connect with people like you and other people who've had similar experiences. And I've had a lifetime of uh, group therapy and individual therapy. So I started therapy when I was 15. And this book, What Girls Know, is related to that experience of being 
a teenager coming to terms with this abuse that took place in childhood and just finding the words to give it shape so that I could make it, so I could put it outside of me and look at it and work with it and heal it. And so that's how I see all creative processes. You know, I, um, creativity has been a huge force in my life for healing. And uh, we're all creative beings, every single one of us. And TikTok is an outlet for our creativity, right? Each TikTok is a creative expression of who you are inside. It's taking your insides and putting them outside where people can see them. Mm-hmm. And so this book was a way for me to do that um, with one of my deepest wounds. One of the wounds that, you know, um, really shattered me early. And I've spent a lifetime trying to scramble back from, you know. Um, so I, I told it in that style and I focus on those years. Um, the book spans between, I would say, 17 to 19. So Angie in there is, a, is 17 to 19. And those were the years that I did a lot of group therapy. I started individual therapy and, um, and I used creativity to help propel that healing process and journey for me. Um, So I focused on those years because they were the beginning. They were the beginning of me coming to terms with this shattering event that happened early on. And for me, it was um, at the age of six and it was in a temple. So it was a religious institution. And I think for me, for you, when we had our our brief chat a while ago, yours was in your home, Mm -hmm. but it was a religious official. So Mm -hmm. for me, I was six and my parents would drop me and my brother off at the temple um, where we would be cared for by the priests. And so... um, And we weren't the only ones. It was a group of children. So I have absolutely no doubt that the other children were also experiencing some forms of abuse. Um, But we were children. You know, there's no way that we could have, we didn't even know how to say things, you know. Mm -hmm. So at six years old, you think about um, formative development and psychological Mm -hmm. development, you know, Children are just developing language at the age of two. So by six, you've had four years of like accumulating vocabulary and no one at that point is sitting there telling you, this is the word for this body part, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is, well, no one was telling me, I, I've raised my kids differently, but that's, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's different today. I think we start way earlier, but now even by nine, I wasn't, (laughs) my parents weren't telling me body parts. I mean, you know, it just was very different back then. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even when I disclosed to my mom at the age of 17, even then it was difficult to put into words what had happened to me. 
So I, it was impossible at the age of six. There's no way I would have been able to, in this body, contain the, the emotions, the trauma. You know, you can't. It is literally like a shattering of the psyche. And, and the only way that a child can move through that experience psychologically intact is by splitting off. There's, there's no other way to contain that experience. There's no way as a child that you can stay whole after that kind of an experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, so... When you, when you say splitting off, you mean <laughs> splitting off into different people. Is that what you yes. mean? In that, yeah. Yes. And I, oh my God, you say that. And I can bring myself right back there, like how I became a different person, like not, not Lenora anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's no way to know who we would have been if that splintering hadn't happened. But the truth is that all of us do that on some level, you know, even when we're uh, like, let's say we're trying to make a big decision to buy a house or get in a relationship or whatever. You know, when you talk to people about that, you hear people say things like, well, one part of me kind of thinks this is a good idea. And the other part of me kind of thinks like, well, you're an idiot. Why are you doing this? Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So part of it is, is just what, how we do. Right. But when it's this kind of major trauma, it's a whole different experience. And what happens is that you, um, in order to move through that moment, that shattering moment, and to have it make sense to you. Because sexual abuse doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And never mind to a six-year-old, right? <laughs> so as adults, we can understand perpetrators. We start to tr try to sort of grasp, you know, this concept of pedophilia and all of that. But as a child, how do you even begin to explain something like, like that to a kid? You can't. It is not within their realm of understanding. And so in order to move through the trauma, the only way that you can make sense of it as a child is by putting that part away. Okay, this happened to this part, and that's going to stay right here, this little knot inside of you that freezes. Mm -hmm. And it's frozen in time. And then you grow around it, right? You grow around it. And, um, but it never goes away. And that knot is always there. And every time something rubs up kind of close to it, you're back at that trauma. And that's what triggers and flashbacks are, right? Um, and so then the rest of my life for me has been about learning to manage those triggers and flashbacks, you know? That'll never go away, that little knot, that scar tissue. It's always going to be there. And now I love it. I cherish that little girl who found ingenious ways to get through this trauma, this unspeakable trauma. And, um, and I've had to sort of help her grow uh, out, not out of the trauma, but to just grow. I've had to sort of go back and get her. I've had to go back and sit with her. I've had to go back and let her know that I'm here now as an adult 
and I'm taking care of things and I'm protecting her and she will never have to go through that trauma ever again. Mm-hmm. And so it's been like um, working with that child self who went through this unspeakable trauma and, um, you know, not erasing it and not negating how horrible it was because it is horrible sitting with her and saying, yeah, this was one of the most horrible things that can happen to a human being. Mm -hmm. And we grieve that you have to grieve it and you have to let that sorrow and that grief and that despair out, you know, that little kid who's waiting for somebody to come back and save her, somebody to come and rescue her and stop this. If we don't, if we don't let that out and we don't, can you explain that in, in like layman terms, like what, what would happen if we just kept it stuffed in there and we didn't, we didn't express it or heal it or try to heal it? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what happens is uh, initially, so when that trauma happens, you form a belief system around it, right? So that little girl uh, or that child, because men go through this too. My brother was there with me at the temple. Um, If you don't heal it, that child holds on. It has to develop a belief system to make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. So the child has to develop a story around what happened. And most children, when they go through trauma, they try to find ways to have control because what's happening is their agency is being ripped away from them. There's no consent. Nobody's asking if this is okay, if I do it. So your self-agency is immediately ripped away from you. Control over your own body is immediately ripped away from you. Um, This idea that you're safe is destroyed. Safety is destroyed. um, And and the idea that you have a say in what happens to your body, which is a God-given right for every human being, that is immediately destroyed for children who are abused uh, and specifically sexually abused. So, so then as a child, you have, to, you have to somehow get through it and have it make sense in your head. And most children, what they do then is they develop a belief system that, and a narrative, a story that says, okay, I played a part in this. I participated in this because it gives them a little bit of control. Because then that means if they could change something about them, it would have changed the situation and it gives them control. And it's a lie. It's not true. But it's important for them to do that, to maintain the wholeness of the psyche. Mm -hmm. And so that's what children do. They develop this story where they accept a portion of the responsibility for what happened to them. And so when you grow up and you become an adult, accepting part of the responsibility for your own abuse then you believe that victims are partly to blame 
for abuse. And this is dangerous for adults. Um, it's dangerous for adults because it's a lie, right? Uh, victims are never to blame for someone else's actions. The person who is taking the action is 100% responsible for the action they are taking. Mm -hmm. And the uh, dangerous narrative is that something someone can do, like the clothes they're wearing, words they might be saying, a way they're dancing, that somehow that can make someone else lose control. And that's a lie right? The truth is we are always in control of our behavior, our words. And so that's dangerous. When you become an adult, then you participate in this victim blaming culture that we all live in. Mm -hmm. and, and then you enter relationships thinking that you can make someone hit you, thinking that you can make someone abuse you which all of this is untrue. That's a lie. You can't make someone do anything they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so on the one level, there's that. The other, uh, ultimately, like the worst thing that can happen is that it becomes a physical illness. We all know that stress is the root of so much illness and disease. And so ultimately it can kill you, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't heal it, if you don't heal it, if you don't tend to it, uh, it'll become a physical illness in your body. And that's your body's way of screaming. It's your body's way of getting your attention and saying, here is this big, huge boo-boo that you are not looking at. And I need you to look at because I need to scream. I need to get it out. And that scream that that six-year-old needed to scream, but got stuck right here mm -hmm. because, because no, it wasn't safe for her to scream. It wasn't safe for her to tell because whether it was directly said to me, whether the abuser said, this is our secret, or if you tell anybody you're going to get in trouble, whether mm -hmm. he said it or not, I understood it. The message came through loud and clear. Mm -hmm. So that scream that I, my body immediately had the urge to tear out of my throat got stuck right here. And if it's stuck, it's going to stay there and fester because we all know that's what happens with toxicity. It's a poison. And then I'm holding this poison in my body and eventually it's going to spread and it's going to kill my body. Mm -hmm. there's no other way to look at it mm -hmm. mentally too how about the mental illnesses also from holding it in I mean for yes. me it was um a suic the suicidal thoughts that I had uh for years and years and years and rocking on the the bathroom ledge and the by the tub just like couldn't handle things couldn't deal with things so it was a more of a mental disease for me 
more than even more than physical. I mean, although I've always had stomach issues and of course for my bulimia, that that was one of the problems from my abuse. The feeling of control I had when I was throwing up and uh, I didn't have control when I was nine. Um, but definitely mentally too. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so when I Horrible. say psychological, I mean mental, right? So when I mm-hmm. say wholeness of the psyche, I'm talking about um, mental wellness, right? Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. uh, mental wellness is linked with psychological wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therapy and group therapy was so instrumental in mental health, in my mental health and well-being. Um, and physical, you know, movement mm-hmm. because trauma lives in the body, mm-hmm. right? So since trauma lives in the body, your body is always trying to speak to you, always. When you have aches and pains, um, for me, it was grinding my teeth. So I'm trying to hold on to this secret. And the mm-hmm. way I can hold on to it is these words are bubbling up, then the screams are bubbling up, and I'm like, stay mm, down. I do the same thing. I have the same, I have a mouth guard at night and I couldn't understand. And I know it comes from that. But the fact that you just said that, you know, it's like ripping and holding on. And, you know, I know you express yourself through your beautiful dance and, and all. For me, it's when I talk about the restorative yoga and letting the onion peel away with each pose that I do. You know, I that, I, that I'm, re, I'm releasing rather than doing a young type process, practice, which I love, you know, my weight training and all. But all of that is very constricting. You know, it's, it's oh. building muscle and yes. building and, and going and sweating. Well, the restorative is my way, like you like to do your dance, of releasing. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh. I love that. that. I love yeah. that. And I, I, you know, I also, for me, I find just kind of repetitive body movement, a form of meditation also, you know, cycling or walking, um, jogging, or even getting into a kind of dance rhythm where I'm not thinking about the body movement anymore. And my body's on autopilot and then my mind is free to meditate or you know connect on another level so mm-hmm. i've never been a good meditator you know just sort of sitting and meditating that's it's never really worked for me i'll keep trying <laughs> i know for well, a lot of people that's why the restorative is so great too because it's a restorative introspective an hour and 15 minute meditation where you're okay. not thinking about that not a good meditator you yeah. don't have to be you don't have to be a good meditator, you just let yourself be. And that's meditation. That's another form of meditation. So there's no stress about it. It just, you're just releasing in the poses. You're so relaxed. And, you know, that's why I love it too. Although I love, I could sit anywhere and meditate. I've been meditating for 16 years, but a lot of people just can't do that. They just don't, they think of it as, you know, sitting and, you know, rigid and all of that, where I try to bring light and make it more comfortable and something they can do. And before I forget, I know I'm thinking, but I'm looking at you and I think you did a TikTok on this and this is 
people, this is the format I'm doing. It's not, I don't have anything scripted. I'm not reading from any notes. So when something comes to me, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, but I'm looking at you and your hair. Um, you're, you let your hair go gray and it's beautiful. I am too. It's been two years since I colored my hair, but it's not, yeah, it's not, you, know, you don't have a lot gray. of gray. Yeah. I don't have a lot, but I imagine someday I will. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to try to be, but is that, isn't that another form? I think you did a TikTok on this being free yeah. and right. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So and you're so beautiful, by the way, whoever's <laughs> not seeing this on YouTube. Oh my God. The most beautiful woman ever. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're so sweet. Yeah. I, so I, for me, the hair, I'm going to talk about it in a second. I just want to touch on what you were saying with the meditating too. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the, for me, the reason the, um, the sitting meditation doesn't work is uh, I need to connect with my body. And, and so that's why uh, physical or walking meditations, those kinds of things work for me. Um, it's a way of em embodying. It's a way of coming back into my body. So that's been a huge challenge, lifelong challenge for me is to come back into my body. And, and I, I anticipate that this will continue to be an issue for me. And probably this is my journey because it started at six. Uh, but one of the, one of the splits that happened for me at six was me and my body. Right. So my body was the one, my body was being abused, but I was okay. I was over here being safe. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So can I, can I touch upon that? Cause yeah. you saying that is what restorative yoga is all about. I will okay. say throughout the whole practice, come back to the sensations in your body Yeah, and know, and know that most people, most people disconnect from their bodies. Yes. They are not feeling their bodies. They are not noticing their bodies. I, I did it too at nine. You know how long I have worked? Well, you do. Um, at trying to connect to my body. It sounds so simple, but that's what my pride, I want, it's on YouTube. A cup, I'm going to have, I have one practice on YouTube. I'll try to get another one on. Um, but the whole time I will remind there's no music because that'll take your mind to the music. There's no, not a lot of me talking, although there is more than normal because Zoom, there are people I didn't know that didn't come to my class. You know, I didn't have my regular students. So there is a little bit more talking. There's darkness because that's a stimulation, light, and there's stillness. So mm -hmm. that's, it's not the young movement type practice where you are occupied with that movement. So right. you're not being connected to what's going on in your body. You are moving. So restorative yoga, you're going into that pose, very simple, on the floor, nothing standing, relying on the props and the earth. So you're completely cocooned and safe and, and, and warm is another element because cool will bring up your nervous system. Okay. And then I will remind you, okay, come back to the sensations in your body. Come back to the breath because from one second to the next, your mind is going elsewhere. Okay. Right? Yeah. So then I talk about your thoughts. 
uh, let your thoughts come in. I think an anchor is very rigid, you know, like a lot of meditative practices. Okay, come back to the anchor. Hold on. For me, that's rigid. It could work for people. Um, a beautiful um, teacher that I had, Josh Summers, a yin teacher, talked about the perch. So instead of thinking of an anchor, you think of a bird or a hummingbird or a butterfly, your thought as one of those and coming onto the perch and then it kind of soft flies away, comes in, soft flies away. So we're not fixed on that thought, that particular thought, but the thoughts are going to come in and we kind of drown them out with music and TikTok and, and earbuds in our ears when we're walking. The whole practice is 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 changed my whole life. Oh, it sounds so beautiful. I, I hope I hope you check it out. Yeah, because absolutely. and it and it's like putting gas in the tank. That's what a lot of the students that I've had say. It's 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 sometimes you're laying there and you're like, oh, oh my god, I should be doing something, moving or not. But no, it's exactly what you need to do. It's oh. exactly just being at one with yourself, doing the art of doing nothing. Yes, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful practice. I, it totally changed my life. So I think it'll be great for you. Yeah. And what you're saying. So yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry if I put you off track there, but. No, no, um, no. Totally. Okay. Actually, it, it leads into um, you know, your other question was about my hair. And I, it's so part of connecting with my body has to do with um, shame right? Shame is such a huge part of sexual abuse. And, um, and one of the things, one of the other things that children do is they hold the shame. They think that they were the ones that, that this thing happened and there's shame around their body, especially if your body responded or, you know, and again, then it comes into control. I had no control over my body. I, um, so I must have participated somehow. Or, you know, um, if you wanted the attention or if you liked the attention or, or if you liked the person, right? A lot of times, remember, most times children are abused by people they know. Um, so it's usually a trusted person, like someone that the adults around them trust. And so shame is huge. And, um, and I grew up, uh, shame was a huge theme for me throughout life. Uh, not just with the sexual abuse, but also just, you know, around at home, around my body, um, uh, feeling that I wasn't X enough, you know, I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't, um, smart enough. I wasn't so many things, feminine enough. Like I had a lot of those kinds of external messages put on me. And so the, my healing process has been about, reclaiming those and um and loving those parts of me that uh messages from the outside told me were not acceptable or not lovable and working with shame has been a real breakthrough in my life um 
And, you know, the sort of smaller versions of shame are embarrassment, um, self-consciousness. Those are all linked to shame. And so when I talk about TikTok being a way of practicing self-acceptance, that's what I mean. It's a way of taking the things that I feel really self-conscious about, which translates into there's some shame there, and just putting them out there. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And I overthink and I do all of that stuff. But ultimately, it's about the journey of getting to the place where I release it. And I say, here, here I am. How, how, how free are you now? Like, because oh, you're fooling me. Because I, uh, to me, when I look at your TikToks, and of course, we all put out something that we're, that other person is doing that really like, you know, putting that out there, but you seem so, so free, like with your dancing and um, how close are you to the, like being like a hundred percent, like there. I don't yeah. think we're always any, at any point, hundred percent, but how, how healed are you? Like at what, like, are you, are you, like really, really comfortable doing it now? Or do you still feel that tinge of, oh my God, yeah. why did I do that? Yeah, I'm mostly comfortable. I'm, I'm the most comfortable I've ever been. And, um, and I'm at the place now where I know that this is not unique to me, that all of us struggle with this. And so now I'm at the place where I'm offering, I want to offer to others, how I'm doing this, you know, uh, one of the biggest fears I had was, was haters commenting. And I've kind of made peace with that now. Like, you know, this is my page. I get to post whatever I want on my page. And if you don't like it, you know, that's okay. Like what kind of, what kind of comments are you getting that do you want to share that? I mean, I'm oh sure, sure. yeah. No. Oh, I, I get know, lost. I know that the reason I brought up the hair, yes, was because I oh, remember yeah. there was Back a to comment. The <laughs> why don't? Why don't? Well, I want. I want. No, no, no. I, 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 I realized I never answered your question. No, because to <laughs> me, it's like yes, I want to go gray. I do, but then I'm very fearful of it. Extremely fearful. Fearful. Yes. Of others, not yeah. myself. Yeah. But like my mother-in-law, like they're all yes. into the looks thing. My husband, very much. He's a kind, very kind person, yeah, yeah. but sure. he, and he, he will probably know better than to say something to me, but, <laughs> but my, think kids, it, yeah. <laughs> my kids, my, yeah. but I want, I'm going to be, I'm going to get there, but I know there was a comment. You had it up on the thing and it said, why something like, why don't, You'd be much prettier. You'd be or so pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be prettier if your hair was darker. I don't know what this. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved your response. Oh, right. thanks. Yeah. So, okay. So the gray hair thing for me was very important, but it was. It's just. It's the same as every other area of my body that I've had to learn to accept. And so all of the things about my body that uh, that sort of you know, became the targets of my shame. Like I, I was very self-conscious about my belly. I've been self-conscious about my belly since I was about 10 years old. So it has nothing to do with having children. 
or anything, or even reality, <laughs> because, you know, I realize now when I look back in pictures and so on, it's, it's nothing there. I, I had a very normal child's body, but, um, and also having girls and having my own children, my, my girls are sort of these incredibly self-accepting human beings. And I watch them and I see how I view my body differently and, and what, you know, I compare so my belly has, was always a source of insecurity. Um, my voice, uh, you know, all of the things that I realized I got from, that didn't come from inside me. And so my hair is another part of that. And, and the same way that I would try to cover up my belly or hide it is the way that I would dye my hair. You know, I would try to look a more acceptable way I would try to look the way I thought people wanted me to look. And um, instead of just being who I am, you know, this is who I am. This is what my belly looks like. This is what my voice sounds like. This is what my hair looks like when it's growing out of my head. And, and I really, um, part of my healing process is about having a relationship with my body. And so if my relationship with my body um, follows my thought process, then I'm either forcing my body to conform to something that it isn't naturally, um, or I'm being compassionate and allowing it to be the lovely, soft animal of a body that it is, you know? And having compassion and finding the courage inside me to love my body exactly as it is, warts and all. And so I decided at some point that part of my healing was, is about this radical self-acceptance, this radical, I am me, I like me, I'm going to like me whether my hair is gray or purple whether it's shaved or long. I'm gonna like me with all the folds and wrinkles and saggy skin wherever it's showing up. I'm gonna like me and I'm gonna do it. It's a form of resistance, right? I'm not gonna conform because I want, I am telling, I'm giving messages to my body. Every time I do something, I'm giving messages and those messages are either you're okay and I love you and I'm doing this for you because I'm taking care of you and you're doing nothing wrong. That's the biggest part because our bodies are so connected to our childhood selves, right? It's the first time we experience sensations through our bodies. The first time we feel love, the first time we skin a knee, the first time we um, you know, get a paper cut, all of these, the first time we laugh, these are body sensations. And so every time we deal with our body, we're dealing with that childhood self. And so, you know, what kind of messages are you giving this childhood self? And so if I'm, and what I, I was dyeing my hair every three weeks before I finally decided, you know what, enough, that's it. This is who I am. And if I look old, I look old. I'm who I am. And, so, and my mom hated it. So, you know, like I totally 
like what you're saying resonates with me. The older women around me just, they were the harshest critics. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I am walking around with this gray hair and there they are with this jet black hair and they're 20 years older than me. Wait, so, no, did you see, I, I'm sorry, but you are one of the people who commented on my 93-year-old mother-in-law. Yes. She did, has the front of her head gray, but she's 93. Oh, that's incredible. So, she does she's, not look 93. Well, what I'm saying is I love her dearly, but I went to go visit her the other day and uh, she, <laughs> she started, what is that on your collar? Like this big, what is that big bone that's sticking out here? And I'm like, ma, I've got big bones. I got a big <laughs> clavicle, you know, like, and my hair is always up. So she really can't see the gray, but I am <laughs> telling you when they see it, it's like, you know, when are you going to, they're very much into looks and I've been in the yep. family for nine since I'm nine. So it's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real <laughs> thing. But I interviewed, I sat down with somebody named Wave, uh, my first uh, podcast yeah. from TikTok. And we talked about the mirror um, project, that mirror, what is it called? thing you do with the mirror that you tell yourself you love you, you look in the mirror. And I told her, I said, I'm not there yet. But I am at the point where I do my gratefuls every day. I'll do five, 10 gratefuls. And I, I do them every day, my voice memos. And I always, not always, but most of the time I say, I am grateful for the strength of my body. I am grateful for my curly hair, which I never accepted. I don't know if you've seen my videos, but I always straightened my hair. I always had it in front of my face. And that's one thing that TikTok did. I wear my hair back because my face is not fully the same because of my accident. So I always hit it. I always hit it in, with part of my hair. And that is so freaking liberating. I'm taking very small steps, just like I tell clients to do with diet or whatever. Um, but I'm getting there. I'm not where you are yet, but I, I, it's very hard for me to look in a mirror. And if you know my story, I look past the mirror. I don't, I don't really see myself, but I'm, I do tell myself that I, I, I'm beautiful. I, I love my body no matter what. I, love, I would never be able to do that. There was always an issue with my body, especially my stomach too. Always, that's uh, bulimia. I mean, before, it's not from the kids. I've had five kids too. It's not about that at all. Never, I couldn't deal with my stomach. Never. Yeah. You know, it's funny yeah. how the parallel yeah. goes. But yeah. I love this. I love the freeing aspect. Um, I, it feels so good when you, when you make these steps and you just can, I don't care what other, anybody else thinks. I'm just going to be me and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. well, and the thing, you know, the belly is really the pit of shame. So it makes sense. It makes sense that so many of us struggle with that. But you know, the curly hair thing is a big step. It's I'm huge. With curly hair. So I know that I've seen them struggle with it. It's ridiculous what I did. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm never going to like blow dry my hair again and maybe I'll go out and I'll do my hair. But let me tell you, I, I'm grateful for my hair. I'm grateful that I have hair. I'm, I'm like, 
thank you for my hair, God. Thank you for my hair. Because some people, you know, they don't have hair. I mean, they don't, you know, they're wishing for curly hair or whatever. Mm -hmm. We always want what we don't have a lot of the times. And um feels good not to spend hours in the yeah. bathroom like, and, and coloring. I hate that. I, I always hate coloring my hair. Always hated it. Yeah. You know, getting it done, going to get it done. It was, I was, I'm not, I'm a tomboy. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm yeah. a tomboy. So it's very easy for me to, to accept that part of it. So, um, and women like you, this is the beautiful thing. You know, I never got that on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, you were the first, one of the first people that is like, that's my gal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I 100%, you know, I'm such a big proponent of that. And the thing is that it's really about choice. You know, you, you should, I mean, feel free to straighten your hair. And I, I reserve the right to color my hair at some point if I feel like it. But the point is that I don't feel like I have to. I don't feel like I have to in order to be worthy of love or worthy of acceptance. And that's the point. The point is that I am worthy of all of those things, no matter what I do, you know? And that's the piece that was taken away that, that I've spent a long time healing. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, is there, is there anything else you'd like to share with this beautiful audience um, people? about you. Um, no, I just, I really appreciate this opportunity. And I, you know, through this conversation, I'm seeing more and more the parallels between us and the similarities. And I am so grateful for the, um, for the serendipity that, that brought us together, that connected us. Uh, you know, it sounds like we're, we're using our own unique paths to, um, sort of, be of service to others also. And I love that, um, you know, my path is specifically storytelling and I love that yours is more sort of movement oriented and not even movement, but body centered. I love that. And um, so, yeah, that's it. You know, I, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, I'm grateful that you reached out and I'm grateful to have this chat with you. Um, I'm looking forward to like seeing it. So it's on your podcast. And it'll be it on, on it'll be on my podcast and YouTube. And I, I hope that we can continue and maybe do another, another um, continuation of yeah. something. I'm sure there's way more to, to tell, but um, people's attention spans aren't <laughs> that great, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm not trying to keep it at a certain time, but um, unfortunately, that's just the way of the world. I love that you said serendipity too, and not coincidence, because I don't believe in coincidences. I, I always, you know, I believe in the flow and how things are connected and they're supposed to happen the way they're supposed to happen. And I just love it. And I like that you said that. So yeah, it's really great. So where can people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me through my website. I have coaching and mentoring packages, but they're all related to storytelling. 
um, and using storytelling as a form of healing and personal growth. Uh, and my website is just my full name, first and last name.com. So nishameminger.com. It's N-E-E-S-H-A-M-E-M-I-N-G-E-R.com. And the links will the links will be below too. I'll have them in oh, the awesome. uh, show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and how about your TikTok? Do you want? I'll put your yeah. Name sure. Yep. TikTok. My TikTok is at Nisha Mem. So my first mm -hmm. uh, first name and the first three letters of my last name. Okay. And um, as for me, everybody, as usual, all my info will be in the notes below. Uh, I do give out my Google phone number for anybody who wants to text me with any questions, any um, subjects they want me to talk about on the podcast or um, anybody who's interested in being on my podcast. So my number is 609-429-4058. And as usual, before I leave, I'd like to talk about the only thing that I eat that's packaged that I am an ambassador and affiliate of, and that's the Roar Bar. And um, if you click, click on the link below, the Roar Bar link will be there. That's my affiliate page. Uh, the best thing about this company before anything is that they give 10% of their net proceeds to feed the hungry children worldwide. And I just love that about them. They actually go, they go to Africa. They're uh, husband and wife, they're very young, Jake and Rachel. They, uh, re anytime I email them, they get back to me right away. These are vegan, although I am not vegan, but they are vegan. So they fit paleo, uh, keto, any kind of diet. They have all organic ingredients except for the almond butter, which they're trying to, um, make organic or get, it takes a long process to be able to do that, but they are working on it. 11 to 13 net carbs, no artificial sweeteners, um, made with coconut oil, which is great for the brain. I will talk about this on another podcast, but I am big proponent on coconut oil for the last 15 years. Um, sweetened with coconut nectar and blackstrap molasses and Himalaya salt. The only one I don't, particularly like is the raspberry one, but you may like it. Anyway, support me, support them, and go to that link below. And on that note, I love you, Nisha. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, oh, it's a pleasure. It's have a, a wonderful and blessed day. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Thank have you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Wonderful and blessed day, evening, wherever you're listening to. Um, and um, I'm out. Likewise. Bye. Mwah. Love you.